Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. David Redman is back with us on the program. David, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Before we, we go back to where we were, where we've talked about in the past and how we've gotten to where we are now, let me just ask you this question out of the box. Is the government's and the health agency's response to Omicron better than it was to the original COVID-19 virus? No, it's exactly the same. They are trying to do, uh, using non-pharmaceutical interventions, the same mistakes that they have made in each and every one of the waves with each and every one of the variants. And none of this was advised according to the protocols that were in place. So let's talk about the issues you have raised and the challenges you've delivered to governments and health agencies. You've talked about this on this program, but I'll ask you to do it again. The first was that influenza pandemic emergency protocols were in place and ignored. You were the head of EMA when the pandemic plan was being updated and redrafted in 2005. That happened again in 2014, and it has to be done every 10 years. So there are four goals, as I understand it, of this particular plan. Would you remind us, please, what those four goals and how many of those four goals were eventually followed by the governments of this country, provincial and federal? Absolutely. Well, the first goal was to try and minimize the impact of the virus itself on the citizens of the province. The second goal was to ensure the minimum societal impact of everything that you were about to do on the province. The third goal was to ensure that that you maintained your economy to the highest level possible throughout the entire pandemic. And the last goal was to ensure that all critical resources were used in an effective and efficient manner. In my opinion, we failed at four out of four of the goals. And if I can just start with the first one, to minimize the impact on the citizens of your province, we know... And we knew every year, every uh, four years, updated was the World Health Organization's document on non-pharmaceutical interventions that we now call lockdowns. But there's 15 NPIs, non-pharmaceutical interventions. Most of them are strongly recommended against because they do not stop transmission of the virus, but they come with severe collateral damage. We never looked after those who were most at risk. We ranked last in the world's economic developed countries in protection of our seniors, wave after wave after wave. So we failed at the first goal, which was to protect those most at risk. People under the age of 60, we know for a fact, are at same or less risk from COVID than they are from seasonal influenza and yet we continue to act like everyone is at equal risk. By closing our economy, by closing our schools, we have enforced on our citizens mental health issues and societal health issues that will last for at least the next 60 years until the children who are in our schools now 
are dead. Now, these plans, that's quite a statement you just made. Uh, These plans, these four pillars, they were devised, they were um, created very pragmatically by people who did it in the cold gray dawn of the morning after, if you will, after previous uh, public health challenges. Tell us, please, what went into creating these four pillars that governments ignored. And you told me the first time we talked that what governments did was they took what the emergency management agency had put together and which had been approved as the appropriate and pragmatic response to a pandemic, and they threw them out out of the window in favor of, uh, did you say emotional response or or just a political response at the time? Well, uh, I'll answer that part of the question first. I believe it was a fear-based response. And what they saw was what happened in China, which was a theater of the macabre, but then they saw what happened in Italy in a, in a country that didn't know how to respond to this kind of a pandemic, yeah. and they became very afraid. So the knee-jerk reaction was fear. What did they do with the plans they had written? Those plans, as you point out, had been written and rewritten constantly based on all the hard lessons learned pandemic by pandemic. There's been five in my lifetime, you're in my lifetimes. There's going to be five more in the next 50 years. We need to have a response which we can sustain. And those plans were built to ensure the minimum impact province by province. Instead, what we tried to do was to have the minimum impact on our healthcare systems, two completely different aims. And in so doing, we have caused massive backups in our surgical wait times. We've caused massive destruction of our children's education. The mental health aspects we're seeing every day transmitted in our paper. So by throwing away the hard lessons learned in those pre-written plans that should have been brought out, adjusted for COVID-19, the actual virus, which we knew was extremely age-dependent, and followed them. Instead, we ignored them, and province by province, we reacted solely on fear and went to the root of lockdowns, which is using almost all 15 out of 15 non-pharmaceutical interventions that we knew we should never use for a pandemic of this type. And to repeat, you say none of the four pillars of the, of the, uh, the platform, the programs, were adopted by government, none of them. Zero. Not one out of the four, and we see the, the impact to our society. We now have uh, have massive societal uh, impacts. You know, the increase in child abuse, the increase in in spousal abuse, yeah. but even worse, the ability of other provinces and other communities helping each other. Mutual aid is a pillar of emergency management. We've stopped doing it. It seems to be every province for themselves and each one trying to outdo the other in the severity of their lockdowns and denial of charter rights and freedom. So, so David, just before the break, you, you talked about what governments, in fact, did, what they implemented and what the cost has been. So let me ask you this then. Where would we be today? How much better off would we be today had, in fact, as a society, as a country, economically and otherwise, How much better would we have been or would we be today if, in fact, the plans that were in place and approved and updated had been put to use? Well, I put it to you that the collateral damages caused by lockdowns, and that's mental health, societal health, damage to our children's education, 
severe impact on people who have other severe diseases like diabetes, cancer, heart disease, and the massive impact to our economy wouldn't have happened. Those collateral damages were totally avoidable. The number of deaths, if we had followed the plans, we would have immediately moved to protect our seniors, and we probably would have seen a significant reduction in the deaths from COVID. 73% of the deaths in Canada happened in our long-term care homes, and we did nothing to protect them. So where would we be? I think we would look an awful lot like Sweden, except for the deaths in the seniors' homes. Sweden didn't wear masks, didn't force any business to close, didn't close their schools, and has seen the best outcomes in their economy and has seen the least impact for mental health and societal health. They, they basically are at the point now where the pandemic is over and they are seeing extremely low rates of transmission and of deaths from COVID. And as far as the people of Sweden are concerned, the pandemic lasted perhaps the first wave. Now, yes, they had deaths in their seniors' homes, but in fact, Sweden has done lower in deaths per capita than almost all the major countries in Europe and better than all of the countries in Europe that use severe lockdowns. So we would look like Sweden. We'd also look like Florida. So uh, there have been, uh, there were, were in Sweden, there were complaints about the prime minister and their national uh, medical, chief medical doctor. I don't know if they've been completely resolved, but there were concerns that had been expressed. Uh, but Sweden has always been the model of how, you've, you've told us the model of how things should have been done. Let's come back to this country. I'm going to be speaking with the president of the Canadian Medical Association later on the program today. A study that the CMA uh, conducted shows delayed or missed health care services may have caused or contributed to 4,000 Canadians dying in just four months last year from non-COVID-related health conditions. And that, I think, is just the tip of the iceberg. I totally agree. And that is just one of the five collateral damages we've caused. There's been very good uh, cost-benefit analysis done that were, in fact, done way back in April of 2020 that showed that at least 10 times more deaths will occur because of our lockdown response to COVID than COVID the virus ever could have done. And so what we're seeing now is just the tip of that iceberg coming out. The one you've mentioned is one of my five that I always talk about, which is collateral damage to other severe illness and disease. But the one I really want to drill on for people is children. Kids that are between five and grades one to 12 the damage we've done to their education, there are also massive studies that show one-year loss of education is equal to three to five years shorter lifespan and a five to 15% reduction in the ability of that individual to earn a solid income in their future. That's why I say for the next 60 years, because those children that are in school, this lockdown response to this pandemic will dramatically impact those children unless we, for the rest of their lives, unless we do something in a recovery plan to address that loss of education, but more importantly, that loss in socialization for three years now in our school system. I've certainly heard the parents on this program talk about how their children have suffered with, uh, with all of the restrictions they faced and continue, in, in many cases, to be afraid of. Now, do you think, if we go back, if we were to go back to, um, say, March of 2020, do you believe Canadians, given all the international news about the pandemic, would have been of a mind to pursue the four pillars 
that you and, and the emergency management agency put in place. Absolutely. And the way that should have been done is the way Dr. Tegnell did it. Sorry to go back to Sweden. But that's what a premier's job is. Every premier should have done the cost-benefit analysis with their emergency management agency. Sorry to interrupt you, but there were no cost-benefit analysis done, right? There was none done. The medical officers of health, in my opinion, immediately switched to protecting the medical system and ignored everything that was in those plans, which required across all sectors of the economy cost-benefit analysis to be done. Clearly, they were never done. If they had been, then the premier would have been able to say every night, instead of a medical officer of health using modeling to scare people to death and trying to inflate the potential damage of COVID, which we know was directed strictly at our seniors, would have been able to say night after night, you know this disease is not deadly if you're under the age of 60 and don't have comorbidities. Okay, one question for you. We only have a minute and a half left. Sorry to interrupt you, Dave. The issue of mandates... Uh, vaccine mandates. We have more than 100 uh, police officers in Toronto who are forced to go on unpaid leave because they're not vaccinated. What's your sense of, uh, of, of these vaccine mandates? As far as I'm concerned, vaccine mandates are illegal and unethical. You never base the response to a pandemic on access to a vaccine, number one. The reason is they take three to five years to develop in a safe and and responsive manner, i.e. to know the vaccine will do what it's supposed to do. Here in Alberta, just today, we crested 50% of the people who are currently newly infected with COVID are fully vaccinated. That's double and in some cases triple vaccinated, but we knew that was coming. Israel, nine months ago, told us that 90% of the people in their hospitals were triple vaccinated. These vaccines diminish over time, but regardless of whether they work or not, you never base a response on a vaccine, and using vaccine mandates, in my opinion, is both illegal and unethical because they don't work. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.